What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 22 of the Lynch with Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it's an honor to be on this leadership journey with you. You and I are all wanting and striving the same thing, right? We want to be the best leaders we can be in the place that God has put us and to use the gifts that God gave us to be that perfect leader for him, that leader that makes a difference for his kingdom, not just our kingdom. You know, it's really easy to do it our way. It's a little harder to do it his way. And we spent the first 21 episodes talking to people from all walks of life that are on that same journey with us. Well, today we get to sit down with best-selling author and nationally known speaker who's based out of Nashville, Tennessee, Miss Annie Downs. Annie's the author of the book, Looking for Lovely, Let's all be brave, perfectly unique, and speak love. Annie is known across the industry for her joy. She's known across the industry for her fun. Her podcast, That Sounds Fun, is one of the greatest things you'll ever listen to. Her interview with Dansby Swanson just a few weeks ago was spot on, and I loved it so much. And Dansby is a young man that I've had the privilege of watching grow up here in our community. And to hear her interaction with Dansby and to hear her help him unpack that faith journey that he's been on and then shared in such a great way with such a joy. And she is just a bundle of joy. We have lots of mutual friends, but we had never met. But literally, two minutes into the conversation, I felt like I'd known Annie Downs for years, and you will too. So I can't wait. If you've never read her, you've never heard her speak, you've never heard her podcast, you are in for a treat. So I want you to pull up a chair and listen in to my time with Annie F. Downs. Well, Annie, thank you so much for being on Lynch with a Leader today. It is an honor to have you. Oh, you're kind. I'm so grateful to be here. Well, you are, you know, I feel like I don't know you, but I feel like I should know you. You're a Marietta girl, grew up Blackwell Elementary, Sprayberry yep. High School. Talk to me about growing up back in the Georgia days. How was that for you growing up? Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm I'm real lucky because I kind of grew up in an environment that was um, just, it was really sweet. My family is just really good people. I'm grateful I got born into a good one. And we kind of grew up on the same property that my mom grew up on, kind of on a farm over there, kind of heading towards Woodstock. And it was just a really, I have two younger sisters and a bunch of cousins that all kind of act like siblings. And so it just was really fun and sweet. I grew up going to First Methodist Marietta and um, just really grateful. I say a lot that I'm, I'm so thankful that I grew up in a church because even the stuff I didn't understand, I heard. You know, so, Absolutely. so as I grew up and started to understand, I thought, oh, I remember when someone said that to me in, in third grade, or I remember that Bible story. And, and of course, like most of us who grew up in church, I've wrestled with pieces of it and, 
And as an adult, have come to some different ideas than I was raised with and don't agree with my parents on every single thing. And all that is okay, right? But they raised me in a, in a home that kind of said, we talk about Jesus, we talk about God, and he's a part of our family. And, and that has marked me forever. When did all that begin? To, what age were you, Annie, when all that began to make sense to you? You you grew up around it. You go to church and you hear it. Man, First Methodist, back yeah. when you were growing up on the square, was popping. I mean, they were they were knocking, yeah. knocking yeah. the ball, especially in student ministry. When did it all yep. begin to make sense to you? You know, I think when you ask that, what comes to my mind is the question that I'm asking myself is, when's the first time I heard God and obeyed? Mm. You know, like, I feel like that's when it started to make sense is the first time that my ears heard God, my heart's ears heard God. And I do remember being in third, besides when I, I got saved when I was five, and I really clearly remember it, Charles, Pastor Charles Sinus was preaching. Yep. He said, we could come forward. I said to my mom, I think I'm supposed to go forward. And she walked down there with me. So I remember that really clearly. But I remember in third grade when, uh, my mom was sick. She had a migraine and I prayed and the Lord healed her. And it wasn't like one of those, like I put oil on her head and, you know, yelled at her or anything. I just went up to my room and said, God, I want her to be at my choir performance tonight, you know? Wow. But I remember being in high school and, and really hearing the Lord really clearly change my direction. And, and during, it was the summer camp between um, 10th grade and 11th grade. And I really just clearly remember hearing the Lord kind of open up this opportunity to me. I think that's, one of the kindest things about him, Mike, is the Lord never like makes you do what he says. He just opens up this opportunity to you and kind of whispers a, what would you think about doing this? And he did that for me between 10th and 11th grade. And it ended up me changing schools. And, and that's probably the first time that things started to click of like, Oh, this is a God who is, who cares about partnering with me and directing my life in a way that brings him glory and brings me joy and fun and peace. So here you are growing up in Marietta, uh, growing up in a great family. You're in a great church, great, I mean, great community, a great area mm -hmm. to grow up in and live in. Did you yep. ever dream you would be doing what you're doing today? Because I know there was a season of your life. You were a school teacher, right? Because we've got some mutual yeah, friends right. in the school teaching world. What was that? How did all that change happen for you? Yeah, you know, I used to, um, I went to the University of Georgia, go dogs, and uh, then I taught school in Jackson County for two years, and then I moved home and taught at Woodstock Elementary for three years, and, you know, for me, I, I didn't ever dream that this would be my job. My One of my grandmothers was the librarian at Sprayberry High School, and the other grandmother owned a bookstore, and so kind of books and writing were always in my system. I guess someone was going to have to be the one who started making them at some point. <laughs> but, you know, I spent my Saturdays off the Meredith Square at my grandmother's bookstore from helping her sell books through most of my elementary and middle school life. And so they've just always been a part of my story. And, and as far as speaking goes and preaching, it just was, you know, I just had really great examples. I think of people like Tom Tanner that, that just have always shown me and, and Pastor Sinus, they've just always shown me what it looks like to, to treasure the word of God and share it um, generously. And, and so I, I never meant for this to be a job. In fact, the reason I started speaking was a friend of mine was running a youth group and asked me to help her with a girls event. And then our youth pastor one Sunday, when I was back in Marietta going to Riverstone church, our youth pastor was sick one Sunday and he called me and said, Hey, can you teach tonight? And I thought, well, yeah, cause I teach school all the time. Just tell me what the lesson is. 
And, uh, and so, and what ended up happening, Mike, is one of those students said, hey, that lesson you just did, will you come do that for FCA next week? And I was like, okay. And then the kid from FCA said, hey, can I connect you with my youth pastor and you can come do something at our church? And I was like, okay. I mean, it really was like these little doors just started opening as I was writing and speaking just for my local community and my church where I was already attending. And then I started going like, oh, maybe this is something. Maybe this is a career. Maybe this is a path. And that's kind of how I ended up moving to Nashville. And now I do some stuff for students, but I'm mostly doing women's conferences and events and preaching on Sunday mornings and doing uh, conferences like that for men and women. That is amazing. And it's dangerous because when you get out on the FCA free Friday morning circuit, they love, they Listen, love, they love getting good speakers in on Friday mornings at a local school near that's you. That's right. That's right. You'll never see a 730 in your house again on a Friday morning <laughs> if you start doing FBA. That is exactly right. So you begin to speak, you begin to walk into this new world. And now, gosh, you're known for writing. You're known for speaking. And I love so many of the titles of your books. And I, I want to walk in on one of those real quick. The, the title sure. speak love talk to me yeah. and, and I can tell, I can tell where, where, where a common heart and the words probably come naturally for both of us. I, I talk until people are deaf to me. Um, <laughs> when, when, when you use words are, are words something that come supernatural to you, but sometimes speaking love is not always easy. Talk to me about that a little bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you talk as much as I do, you're bound to miss the mark more than you hit it, right? So, yep. and the, you know, the reason that book even came to my came to my mind and came to my opportunity is that I was spending so much time on the road with people, and so often students were talking to me about being bullied, and parents were talking to me about how they were seeing cruel words modeled in front of their kids by other adults. Mm. And I thought we've got a real problem here, you know, like. And I mean, you know, this, the, the scripture says that our words have the power of life and death. And that is just really true. And we don't take that at face value, I don't think as often as we should. And so I just started realizing, like, maybe we need to really, th- and you, gosh, the problem with writing a book called Speak Love is that the Lord doesn't let you get away with anything anymore, right? Because he's yeah, like, that's the truth. A book. title, right? Whenever I try to be wimpy, the Lord's like, you've written two books about being brave suck it up sister right <laughs> that's how it is with speak love it's like no I, I have to and and I'm grateful I'm great I, the boundary lines fall in pleasant places right like I'm grateful that God gives me boundaries and and says to be the best version of you and to be the best leader and the best Annie I, you need to have some boundaries and remember that that how you use your words really really matters what do you do to help yourself with that? So maybe there's somebody out there, they go, man, I'm a, I'm a friend. I'm not a good friend. I don't mm-hmm. always use mm-hmm. my words to build people up. What are things, what are disciplines you've put in your life to help you with that? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm, I tend to like to make jokes more than anything else. And I've had to choose to cut sarcasm out of my vocabulary altogether. Wow. Um, even though it can be funny, even though people really like it, and even though it is really natural for me, I have found that it is it is very difficult to speak moderation with sarcasm. Um, you, it is hard for the receivers to know how seriously you mean what you're saying. And so for me, a way to, a, a real strong line I drew in my life was I just stopped being sarcastic. 
I, I just have never found that it made people feel more loved. Mm. Right. There's other ways to say things and to be funny and to, and to poke at your friends uh, publicly or privately without being massively sarcastic. So for me, that's, that's one rule that I've just made up for myself that has uh, been really beneficial. But also a lot of it is editing what I write really carefully before I post an Instagram post or before I tweet, before I do anything with the written word, I'm really careful to make sure I mean every word I say. Um, and for people who just want to be better friends, I think it's just about thinking. I know that's silly because moms have told us for generations to think before you speak, but that's just the truth. If you can just pause for half a second and think, and um, I, I find that that is a good line that protects you from really regretting what you say most of the time. You're still going to miss, right? You're still going to have right. times where you regret how you handled something, and that's just part of the deal. But, but in general, I have found that if I will think for a second before I say what I'm thinking, usually my inner editor will step in. Do you, do you find that getting easier as you get older? I mean, as you go yeah, every I, year I, I that goes by, you thought you're in a better position <laughs> with that? Yeah, for sure. I find everything easier except like going up and down stairs and old people <laughs> stuff like that, right? But yeah, yeah, it just seems that the the older I get, the better I get at being me. And the better I am at being me, the more the Lord can refine that and and shave off the rough edges. And the more I'm willing to listen because I'm seeing it pay off in relationship, in church, in work. I see it pay off when I will choose to be uh, disciplined and careful with my words and careful with how I live my life and let God uh, mold me, I like who I become. And I don't think I knew that in my 20s. I don't think I knew in my 20s that, because that scripture talks about how God disciplines those he loved. I always thought that would look like getting put on restriction or that kind of stuff. But, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, Mike, for sure, because you're way more professional Christian than me. I'm not, I'm not that great at it. Be careful, but Annie. I just Be careful. Think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think um I think there's something about the Lord and the partnering with God to help together build a life that looks more and more like him every day. Amen. And and I've just found that 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 it is not easy and it's not always the most fun and it's certainly not pain free but it but it's making me who I want to be. And, and that is an incredible journey and the great part about that is that's a lifelong journey. And that'll always be yeah. that will always be under construction, won't it? I mean, that'll always be that part yeah, of our lives. So. That, yeah, that we're always golly, man. You're always working on. If if you could go back and and catch 17-year-old Annie Downs oh, growing up in yeah. Marietta and the things you've learned. Would you have qualified yourself as a, I mean, I think everybody looks at you now with your podcast, with your books, with your platform that you've got, man, they're, they're like, mm -hmm. she is a leader of leaders. She is somebody that's really oh, that's blazing kind. a trail and setting a pace. Would you have thought that of yourself when you were 17? Well, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I, I mean, I was, mm. I always kind of, because I'm loud and because I'm the oldest child in my family, I always kind of was put in the leadership position, whether I wanted it or not. I would often be told that I was the thermostat, not the thermometer. Yep. And it used to make me insane. Cause I was like, I just want to sit quietly and not have to be the one who's throwing the party. Right. Um, so I don't know that I would have labeled myself either way. I knew I got pushed into that a little bit, but the thing I would say different about 17 year old Annie and 37 year old Annie is 37 year old Annie really liked being the thermostat. 
And we all are, right? Like whether you have a book on a shelf or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're a preacher or whether you're a, you know, welder, no matter what your job is, everywhere, every room you walk into, you bring something into that room. And so we, none of us get to sit back and just judge the temperature of a room. We are all affecting the temperature of the room we're in, whether it's our house or on a stage or in a car at our job. And so I've grown to love that we get to affect the environment we're in versus um, be angry about that <laughs> or, yeah. or be annoyed that, uh, that I'm expected to, to be a part. I, I'm expected to be a part of what's going on instead of just getting the kickback. Now, listen, of course, I sit and watch TV and I'm not saying that every single moment of every day you have to be making a difference or anything insane like that. I just think we are lucky enough that, you know, I think about even going to watch my friend's kids play sports. When I step out there and see, I see my friends and their other parents and the kids, like I bring something to that experience. And, and so I get to decide what, how I'm going to affect that environment. But I love, I love that answer because you know, we have a little phrase we use a lot here at North Star, and, and the phrase is, you're put where you're put for a reason bigger than you. And when you live, yeah. like, with the intentionality that you're talking about there, you consciously think about it, and it, make, it makes you think about it, that it's not an accident yep. I ended up here. It's not an accident I'm at this yeah, that's right. game, or I'm out with this. That's really, really good. That is really, really good. And now, it doesn't mean that I'm always in a good mood about it, and it well, doesn't mean no. I always do it right. That's right. Right. It just means that I pay attention to it and kind of go, okay, this, you know, nothing is coincidence. I'm just a big believer that nothing's coincidence. When you end up in the same city as someone or in the same place as someone or in the same, you know, soccer team as someone, that, that means something that matters. That's right. I, I know my pastor growing up, Ike Riker, a great guy here in Marietta. Um, but anyways, Ike, Ike used to have a statement. He said, a coincidence is with just God. It's just when God chooses to remain anonymous. And it really is. Yeah. And man, you look yeah. back at those times. So here's this Here's this girl, and I can tell by your personality. You were a, you were, you were out there. People looked up to you. You were involved in church, and you're all these things. You've written a great book on 100 Days to Brave. Would mm. you were were you brave, or was brave something that came a little along a little bit later? Yeah, you know, an interesting thing about how I grew up to understand Christianity, which is, no, I don't think anybody taught me this. I think somehow I just, I gathered this myself. That's why it's just incorrect theology. I just thought the whole time I was growing up, I never wanted to be a missionary that lived in a foreign country that was hot, that, that, you know, I didn't have internet and couldn't have air conditioning. And, you know, yeah. that just never did anything for me. But there was this thing that in my head that I thought those are the very best Christians. Those are the ones that are the bravest. Right. And, and the older I got, the more I started to, that God started opening my eyes and kind of saying like, I haven't called you to that. That isn't brave for you. This is brave for you. And really had me look at the life I already had and kind of ask like, for me, some of the bravest things I've ever done are conversations I've started with friends and family. Right. Or like the first time I called my counselor and said, I think I need to make an appointment with you because something's going on with me. Right. Like that's not moving across the world, but that sure is moving my life mm. and changing my life. And and so I just started to realize that that the courage has a lot of faces and 
And I needed to quit looking at other people and trying to live up to what God was asking them to do and look deeper into what God was asking me to do in the life he'd already given me. And so that's really why I wrote, let's all be brave in a hundred days to brave was just like, man, I'm not good at this. And this has been hard for me. And here is what it looked, because really the, the central story of the book, let's all be brave was moving from Marietta to Nashville, yeah, which as you reading. know, is a three and a half hour drive. That is not a very substantial <laughs> there. I mean, our mutual friend Dansby went that far for college, right? That's like right. that is not a big deal for most people. For me, I thought I was going to be the woman who grew up in Marietta, Georgia, lived in Marietta, Georgia and died in Marietta, Georgia. And I never thought I'd live away from my family. Our family doesn't do that historically. Now we, we've kind of spread out, but you know, everybody kind of, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about Marietta is you grow up there and you stay there. And so I never dreamed that I would move away. And so even though it was only a couple hundred miles, it felt like a world away. And, why do, why and do so you that think, was what was so different for me. Yeah. And why do you think that, and then we'll just take the move. What was sure. it in that move? that you think God wanted for Annie Downs? What was it in that move that he needed to get you away from here to get you yeah. there? What, why, why was that? Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the onion continues to be peeled a decade after I've lived here, right? I think it's un, it, it, there's an unlimited amount of reasons. Um, and I love Marietta and I love my family and my friends that are there. So I never wanted to leave. It, it wasn't that I was in a bad situation and needed to get out. I think there were parts of me that didn't grow up because I didn't have to. Mm. Um, I think there were parts of me that could stay 16 because everybody that works at the grocery store and everybody I ran into at Cool Beans all knew me when I was 16. And, and most people can grow up pretty well. I wasn't great at growing up. And so I think there was some part of my life that God needed me to move to a city where I had never been a kid so that I could never be a kid. Mm. I mean, it just pretty much was, you have to be an adult here and you have to make adult choices and no one else. Because even going to Georgia, which I loved, and, my, and but so many of my friends from youth group and so many of my Marietta friends were there that it was just a second home, which is so beautiful and such a gift. But also for, for just in my story, it didn't force me to emotionally mature like I probably needed to. And Nashville's done that in a lot of ways. I have a long way to go, but Nashville's done that for me. And, and there's just been opportunities here professionally for me that by running into someone at a coffee shop or in a meeting or at a concert that it was just like what we were talking about. There's just no coincidences. And I think God needed me to have this zip code for some amount of time, at least 10 years. We'll see how long. Um, he needed me to have the zip code to do all the things he wanted to do for me. Um, and for me to do the things I get to do with him. You, you made a statement in the book. One of the quotes was courage. Doesn't tell you to let go when you know what to grab next brave people, let go mm -hmm. when it's time to let go. Why, why do most people why, in, in your view, why do most people not mm -hmm. want to let go? You speak to thousands of people, and I can only imagine mm -hmm. standing by stages, you have these conversations of, I want to, but why, why do you find yeah. most people aren't willing to be courageous and be brave? Yeah, you know, I think they are willing. I think a lot of times they just don't know what to do. They don't know the next thing. 
I think, it, I mean, it, it, to be, uh, to quote incorrectly, I think it's a little bit that the spirit, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I think most, I don't know anybody who would say, no, I don't want to be brave or no, I don't want to step out. They they want to, they just, they don't know they can. A lot of times people need permission. Um, I think a lot of times women particularly need permission to go after some dreams that are in their heart because culture has told them for so long that they can't. I think that's also getting, I think that's also true for people of other races and other colors that are being told like, oh, finally I can go forward in ways that I couldn't before. Um, but I also think that there is a place of, of just the reason we don't want to let go is because we don't know what we get to grab next. Yep. Right. And, and, and that has, that continues to be something I have to ask the Lord for in my own life is courage to let go of the current thing, believing that there is, I call it the monkey bars, right? Yep. Like you have to let go of the monkey bar you're holding onto to grab on the next one. There's going to be a space where your hand has nothing to touch. And that's just, that's just the reality of it. And so, and so I, I just think that's scary. That's so scary for me. I see that in, in my life. I'm, I have a book that comes out this year and, and then we are done being contracted for books. I want to keep writing books, but we don't have any more contracts right now. And so it's a little bit of a monkey bar moment, right? Of like, oh, I don't know exactly what I'm writing or what I, where I'm writing, and, but I want to keep writing. But I just have to trust that there will be another monkey bar. Hey, this step moving to Nashville, has it caused you to be brave in other areas of your life now? Have you seen oh, how grabbing that monkey bar to make that move up there has caused other ones where you go, I wouldn't have been brave like this 10 years ago. But because I did this, has, has that, have you found that to be true? I'm not exaggerating, Mike, over and over again, that's true. Wow. I mean, that is consistently true. That I will say to myself, literally 10 years later, I'll say to myself, you moved to Nashville, you can do this. Like you, you literally left, because when I moved here, I had zero friends. And that's hard for me, because I'm an Enneagram 7, I love people. People are, the, are kind of the currency the Lord uses with me the most. And, and so, I mean, I left my job, my home, my family, my church, my friends, I left everything and I was single and moved by myself. And I just, and so often in, in relationships in church stuff, we just had about a year, let me think about a year ago, our, um, past, oh, two years ago now, our pastor in my church in Nashville left and we were without a pastor for about 10 months. And so often during that time, I thought God will provide for us because I've seen him do it. He will exceed our expectations. And now it was really painful. And I cried a lot and thought, are you ever going to do this? Where are you? But in my heart, I knew like, no, I've seen him show up. He will show up again. That is so good. And boy, didn't you get a good one? Kevin Queen is legit. I've known Kevin for years. I mean, really now. Yeah, he's just amazing. And this this is a funny comparison, but I'm still single and still hope to get married someday. And I have said to the Lord so many times, what you have shown me and how you provided a man like Kevin Queen for our church reminds me to have hope of how you can provide for me as an Annie. That's right. Like I just think he got, when I thought it was the darkest our thought our church could be in, God brought a man that is so much more than our church knew to ask or pray for and has done, has catapulted our church and our city forward spiritually. And I go, okay, God, it's do it again, right? Do it for me and my, in my personal life, but do it for churches who are looking for that. Do it for books on shelves in all the areas of my life. 
that matter to me. I have, I hold that testimony up and, and say, I've seen you provide. I know you will do it again. Boy, that is so good. And I, I didn't know your former pastor, of course, knew of him and respected him a ton, but I've known Kevin just through student ministry days and, and sure, you know, yeah. life, life in that world. And you guys, you, you really were blessed to get him up there. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. So what do you learn when, when a person, and I love what you said, a welder, a coach, uh, a teacher, a business leader, homemaker, whatever their yeah. role is, what will they learn about God when they take that step, that first step of being brave and doing something courageous? What will they begin to learn about God? They cannot learn until they're willing oh, to grab right. that new monkey bar. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Um, I think they will learn how near he is. Mm. And what and what more do we want, right? Like, like to me, the pinnacle of being, and, and the pinnacle of life is the nearness of God, right? Like, Amen. that's what I want more than anything else. And I and and the work is going to change and go away and come and the people are going to change and go away and come and everything changes except him. And so the thing I want most is nearness to him. And I find over and over again that the bravest moment when I think I have jumped out of a plane and there is no parachute is when he feels closest. Mm. And when he shows himself to be nearest, I, wrote something today about this season that I'm in. And I just said, he keeps telling me in the light, what sustains me in the dark. Mm. And, and that is just, I, I, and so any moment I get where I think this is too hard for me, I, I ask to see his nearness and to experience his nearness. And I think that's what, that's what we gain. I mean, it, we, I don't, I, I hope we've been friends long enough Mike, for you to believe me. I don't know that I need anything else or want anything else as much or more than the nearness of God. And, and that is what you gain when you're willing to do what you don't want to do, what feels too hard, when you're willing to persevere, when you want to give up. I genuinely believe that the best things in life are just on the other side of when you would have quit. Absolutely. And, and it takes courage to persevere, right? I mean, that's what it says in Romans, that we have to rejoice in our suffering because it produces perseverance in us that builds our character to give us hope. Yep. And that, and that hope is, and hope doesn't disappoint because it is the nearness of God. Yep. And so I, that is it to me. That is the thing. When you are brave, you experience the nearness of God. Boy, I love that. Uh, and, and you can't, the crazy part is you can't quantify it till you experience it. I mean, that, that's the hard part. Yeah. You, can, you can tell somebody about it and go, this is it. But until that step happens, until that, that move happens, it, it, it can be a head, but it can't be a heart. And that's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I really couldn't. I think you are, I think you yeah. are spot on there. So here's this public wow, figure who loves the Lord, who writes incredible books and devotionals, phenomenal. Kind. And you really are a phenomenal speaker, amazing podcast, which we'll talk about here in a second that I've enjoyed listening to. But, Thank you. But, but, life isn't always easy. Life's not always right. good. And there are things you learn in the light that sustain yeah. you in the dark, meaning you yeah. will have dark moments. Yeah. How do you, how do you cope Annie with those dark times that you walk through when everybody expects 
life to be all good for you? How, how do you, how do you get through that? Yeah. You know, I think, I think that is one of the weirdest parts of my job is that, um, while I do share a lot of myself publicly, there is a lot that is not shared. And so people are surprised when, when I'm not laughing, right? Just mm. because that is my, you know, 70% of the time that is, that is me. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, when it gets hard, it, my first step is I call it what it is. I think it is really unfair to tell ourselves that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just be fine. And so I'm a big fan of going like, Hey, this is a hard season. Hey, this is hard. You're, this is allowed to feel really hard for you because it is hard and you don't have to just push through and get to their side. You can take a day off. You can, you can eat saltines and lay on the couch and watch Hallmark movies if you need to for a day. Right. Like yep. sometimes I just think it's, it's important to call it what it is because otherwise you downplay your pain. And I don't think the healing comes. I mean, when, if you were going to a real doctor and your arm was broken and he said, how bad does it hurt? And you're like, I, I'm super fine. Don't worry about it. Like, seriously, don't even worry about it. I just came to say hi. And it's like, no, like your arm is broken, right? Like in, in the physical, we do not downplay our pain when we want to be healed. We say exactly how it feels. And I think we need to do that in, in our emotional lives as well. So that's a big deal to me. And then inviting other people in. I've yeah. got to let my people, my friends, my counselor, my family, like I have to say, hey, you need to know it feels dark. And you need to know that I feel alone. And there's a family here in Nashville that I will go spend the night at their house. I'll just call and go, hey, I feel super lonely. Can I come over? And one, they move one of their kids into a different bed and I take a bed and, and it's no big deal. But we've established a friendship where, where we can say what we really feel and step into it with each other. And I don't go over there and we don't, I don't have to cry for an hour and they don't have to sit on the couch and listen. Like if they're watching a soccer game, I just sit down and watch too because they, they know. They know that what, that I don't necessarily need words. And if I do, I'll say them. But so it's stuff like that. It's inviting people in and calling it what it really is and asking God to heal it. You know, like I, I recorded a podcast in the fall of 2017 called Fun Therapy with Mike Foster. And it was all about singleness. And it was really painful and and hard to talk through some of the deep stuff he kind of asked about. And mm. but what I what I learned in it was the power of giving other people the chance to say me too, mm. which was really important to me. But also that God sometimes goes like, hey, I'm walking you into this pain because I want to heal it. Mm. I'm not letting this pain stir up because I want you to hurt. I'm showing you that you need healing. And so so that that matters to me. You can only get that for me. I can only walk toward that kind of pain and that kind of healing when I've invited other people into the story with me. That's is that right. what you found too, Mike? How do you yeah, deal with it? It is. And you're you know, so it's public so, too. Well, and, and our personalities are a lot alike. I'm a, I don't know if you've mm -hmm. done disc, but I'm a hundred basically score. I'd at a hundred. So I live life oh, around yeah, yeah, people yeah. with people love it. And, and I get energy from it. And I find in my own life when I want to sequester myself and pull away from people yeah. is not a good time. That's when I'm, mm -hmm, that's when mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably not going down a good road at that point. And yeah, very much the same way. I think for all of us, none of us want to admit the pain. None of us want others to know about the pain. In fact, I was telling a group, right. I spoke to a group of church planners over across Atlanta yesterday, and I was telling them about a season that we went through here at North Star 
real tough season. And I called a, a good buddy of mine, a counselor, and told, told him I needed to come in and see him. And so we sat down and we were in his office. And he said, who have you, who have you shared the hurt of what you're going through with? And he said, are you tight mm-hmm. with some guys? And I said, well, yeah, I lead an executive's Bible study. And, but I didn't, I hadn't said anything to him. And I said, I don't want to hurt their journey. And he goes, hurt their mm, journey. Wow, wow, wow. Or help their journey. He goes, Mike, why do you think that would hurt their journey? That they, everybody's real. We're all real. And that for me, because I'm pretty transparent from the platform, mm-hmm. but when I'm one-on-one, I'm not as much. I'll keep things a little more private. It's, it's, it's an odd, I'm strange, but. Um, no, but I'm, I'm so tracking with you. That is exactly right. If you think, I don't need to tell them this because what if it what if it messes up their life or it's too hard for them? That's exactly right. These yeah. guys are new; they're new to the faith. And then I read a, I had a good buddy of mine give me a book last year before I was heading out, and the book was called Leadership Pain. I don't know if you've ever read it by no, Sam. No, but I want to. I'm oh order my gosh! It today, Leadership Sam Pain. Chan C H A N D. In fact, he'll be a guest um, this year on our podcast, but he's got a comment in there. And, oh, and the, the comment is you'll only grow to the threshold of your pain. So okay, our lives will good. only move spiritually to the depth we've hurt. And it's true. Mm. And it really that is. is so true. Yeah. And, and we hate and that it. Is, I mean, that was so much of my story of, especially when I lived in Atlanta, is I just always ran from my pain. Mm. And so I just couldn't grow up because I wouldn't face the pain. And then I, something about Nashville and living here, I, I couldn't run anymore. There was no farther I could go. And, and so then I started facing it and I was like, Oh, look it a, it didn't kill me. Yep. And B I'm better for facing it. And so now I say now, and now enough of my friends, we use the same language and you counsel or speak and where I can go and, and enough people know my tendencies. I can go, Hey, I feel like running from this. Yep. Like I'm looking at flights to, to other cities just to get away from this pain. And people will talk me off that cliff. Right? That's right. Because, because that is the thing is I don't want to run from pain anymore. I don't want that to be my story. I want to face it with people so that I can be healed. That's exactly, it's so true. And, you know, your comment earlier about the great things really come right after we're, we're most ready to quit. I mean, that, that that full on, we can't take it anymore. I don't know if I can, I'm ready to wave the white flag. I'm ready to get out of this deal. I'm ready to change cities, change lives, change marriages, change jobs, the whole bit. And man, right on the other side of that are answers. And and, and, you know, in fact, it was funny. I brought it up yesterday when I was speaking and one of the guys goes, well, Jesus, and he wanted to quit in the garden. He wanted the, he right. wanted, he wanted to pass. Oh, that's so good. Just let it go. And so that's, that's so good, Annie. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that because so many times we look at, look at people and go, well, she's got it. It's perfect for her. <laughs> Look at her, what a great speaker mm-hmm. she is. And you're incredibly vulnerable in your writings. But even then, people go, well, you know, she wrote that. But they don't realize, no, 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 no. This is a, this is a story. I mean, it's just the story yeah. of my life. And here you are with a podcast. Yeah. And I love the name of your podcast. Have fun, right? Let's yeah, that sounds fun. That sounds fun, family. yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so what was yeah. the, when you started the podcast, what was your goal? of getting the podcast out there. Okay. Do you know what's so funny, Mike, is there's a, uh, there's a fiction author named Ted Decker 
Uh-huh. And his people emailed me a couple of years ago and asked me to interview him. And I said, sure, of course, where do we want to release it? And they said, oh, you can release it wherever you want. And I was like, oh, I don't have anywhere to do that. And they said, <laughs> have you thought about starting a podcast? And I literally said, that sounds fun. And so then I named it, that sounds fun with Annie F. Downs. I, I was like, love it. okay. But you know, really for me, my favorite thing, my, bar none, my favorite thing is when my friends become friends with my friends. Yep. I love when I get to introduce people that I really love to other people. And that's all I do on my podcast is I just get to introduce my friends as guests to the friends who are listening on the other side. And so that's kind of one of our like baseline rules is we don't have guests on the show that I don't have a connection with Love it because I'm not a great interviewer. I just like talking to my friends. Yep. And so that's what we do is we just bring our friends on. I bring my friends on who have cool products coming out or cool projects or that are the expert on some topic in January of 2018. I'm, I had, John Mark Comer, a pastor out of Brit, out of Portland at Bridgetown Church, come on and talk about Sabbath because he really has studied it and understands it. So he doesn't have a new book out. He's just a buddy of mine who's an expert on Sabbath. So we do that sometimes. Like we just kind of have different themes that we want to run with. But I mean, I, I'm sure you're having the same experience because our personalities are similar. But I think podcasting is the most fun I'm having right now. It, it really is. And it's so, you know, I've, you know, just one of the blessings of life. So I've gotten to know a lot of people and I would sit and have these amazing lunches and bring my notes home and go, God, you're not going to believe what I learned. And somebody's like, Oh, I wish Uh I could have sat in. I wish I could have heard it. And I thought, why don't we create something to sit, you know, this podcast thing began what 10 years ago, a little late to the party, but you know, it it is a great opportunity. And I love, I mean, your interviewing style is so good because it is very, in fact, I was listening last night to your one with Carlos Whitaker. And, you know, you can tell there's a depth to your friendship and I've heard him on other, I don't know Carlos, but I've heard him on other podcasts and your, your style of getting out the same information was so good because it is so, Uh, so who you are and so personal. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes because I know folks, more people are going to know about yours than mine. But if anybody doesn't know, and I hope they'll jump in because that is really Really good. I, I want to ask. Yeah, you, we should get Carlos on your show too, because I think you would love him. That would be awesome. That would be yeah. awesome because I love what he's doing, man. He's he's yeah. he, he's been there, done that, and is relearning how to do yeah. that. And that is a uh, yeah, that's right. That, that is a and very, doing it real honestly. That's exactly right. Yo, boy, that came out big time, big time. Yeah, that came out. What are you reading to push you? What are you doing right now that's stretching you and pushing you to keep getting you better? Okay, what am I reading right now? So Kevin Queen, our pastor at Crosspoint, is all about two things currently, and always, I think. He's always about prayer and revival. Mm. And so he keeps shoving books by dead guys on me about revival and prayer, right? So we're reading, let me get, we're reading, um, I'm going to go grab it off the table so I can tell you the exact title so I don't mess it up. Um, Sorry, sorry, sorry. We are reading A Treasury of Prayer. It's by E.M. Bounds. Oh, gosh, um, yes. It's compiled by Leonard Ravenhill, right? So, I mean, yep. could you drop a few more big names on the cover of a book? <laughs> so, we're reading that. Um, I also have a book called that I'm working through called Seeing is Believing about imaginative prayer, which is a little bit outside my norm and can feel a little wackadoodle, but I'm kind of, I'm a big believer. I don't know how you feel about this, Mike, but I kind of like, reading books that don't tell me exactly what I already think, you know, like 
and it, sometimes it can get a little squirrely because then you post on Instagram what you're reading and, and you know, one side gets all riled up because you're reading a book from the other side. Yep. And I just go, wait, I thought that's what books were about. Like, I thought we were supposed to read things we didn't totally agree with because I'm not going to turn into a monster by reading a book that isn't exactly aligned with everything I've always believed. Right. That's right. And so, and so this imaginative prayer book, I really enjoy, but it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit outside of my norm, but I'm really liking it. And it's changing how I pray and really helping me. And, and I, I, I like telling stories. I like seeing movies in my head. So that really helps. Yep. And then uh, uh, another guy that I love named Aaron Nequist. I don't know if you know him. No. Um, he is out of Chicago. We should, we should connect you. See, look, I'm like making you be friends. There with all you my go. Friends, I'm right? all about it. That's awesome. But Aaron Nyquist has this uh, has a book coming out in August, but he recommended a book to me called The Holy Longing mm-hmm. and by Ronald Rollheiser. Have you read that before? No, I have not. Yeah, I, nor have I. I just got it. So that's the other one. I, I like reading books that, that push me a little. And then, I'm, of course, my other goal for 2018 is to read all the way through Madeline Le Engel's library. Wow. So, yeah, she's just an incredibly good writer of fiction and nonfiction. Of course she is. I mean, she's won tons of awards. But she's one of the first writers I've read that I thought, if I could be put in a category with anyone, I would want it to be her. And so I need to read everything she's ever written so that I can get better. That's incredible. So how would, if if people said, what's what's something I could pray for Annie Downs for? What would it be? Mm. What would be what would be wow. the prayer that you say, man, this is this is what I need most? What would you say? I mean, the, you know, uh, a couple of things come to my mind right off the bat. I think the, uh, the truest answer is the nearness of God. Mm. You know, I, I, that is what I want more than anything. So if someone takes a second and prays, uh, just pray that that I would know the nearness of God and that that would be what sustains me in the life that he's handed me. Um, and I want to get married and I'm not afraid to say it. So, Good. Good so people want to pray for that too. We are, you know, I'm, if I end up being 90, never having get married, I want to go down believing and hoping that God was always going to do what I hoped he would do until he changes my heart and my desires. And so I ain't afraid to tell people that. Amen. Well, listen, we are going to pray that. And I Yay. am, I am just Annie. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on here today. It really does. It really does mean the world. And I can promise you your, your story and your life is a huge encouragement to help people keep on. Oh, you're kind, Mike. Thank you. Listen, let me tell you what is true and don't stop recording because people need to hear pastors who serve their church faithfully every Sunday are, are some of the bravest, strongest people. Mm -hmm. I know I could not, there is not a profession I respect more than men and women who get up every Sunday to the same crowd and have to tell them a different Bible story than they did the week before or the year before. <laughs> and you have to be faithful to those. You get to be faithful to those people 365 days a year. And I just, I, I couldn't respect how you pastor um, any more than I do. But I just, my friends in Atlanta who are in your church are so blessed and, and say the kindest things. And so thank you for how you serve the church. You're doing stuff that is impacting lives forever. What do you say after drinking from a fire hydrant? Wow. Annie, Annie gets life, doesn't she? And Annie looks at the lens through the lens of life of fun. That's the lens she chooses to look through. You know, I think every day we get a choice of how we view this world. 
We can view it skeptically. We can view it hesitantly. We can view it jaded. Or we can view it fun. Annie chooses to see fun. And that's what I love about Annie Downs. It comes through in all her books. I know my daughter, Mary Michael, loves her books. Why does she love her books? Because that joy comes through. You know, there's a verse that David uses, and he says, King David says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, isn't that true? And I think joy is Annie's greatest strength. And it comes through. It comes through her words. It comes through when she writes. It comes through when she tells a story. We weren't off the phone five minutes, and she had already connected me with four friends you'll hear in future episodes going, hey, I met a guy named Mike enjoyed his podcast, you'll enjoy it too. That's the kind of person Annie is. So many people would go, hey, I'll help you get connected with so-and-so. Man, Annie's the name, not me. And she went on She went on and put her neck out for me, and that really did mean the world. I hope you enjoyed our time together. And you know what my prayer is for you today? Is that joy of the Lord. I pray it will be your strength too. Because we can get through this life with a smirk, or we can get through this life with a smile. And when we get through our life with a smile, no matter the circumstance, we can help others smile too. And that just bleeds off on them. Thank you, Annie, for joining us today. Thank you for making us better. Thank you for letting your joy pour out on us because we are all better for it. Man, it's been such a ride. I have loved these interviews. I don't know whether you enjoy them or not, but doggone, I have fun every month and have fun every time I get to sit down. Well, our episode 23 is not going to be any different. We get to sit down with one of Dave Ramsey's largest personalities, Mr. Chris Brown. Chris is the uh, leader of the Momentum Podcast, Leadership Momentum Podcast. He is a great author travels and does churches all over the country for the Ramsey Group. But even more than that, man, there's just some great depth to Chris, helping you in your own personal faith journey and helping you in this leadership journey. And so we can't wait to sit down with you again next time on Lynch with a Leader. Well, if you enjoyed today, I hope you'll share it with a friend. Go out and pick up Annie's book. There'll be links in the show notes. But once again, thanks for joining us and go be the leader that God created you to be. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 